G'day mate, it is good to have you here for another episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast. In this episode, I take a look at how much racing you should be doing. And also, in lessons from the lab, we take a look at supplements. Which supplements have actually been proven to work? Let's get into it. Welcome to the Exponential Performance Podcast. Join sports scientist and performance coach Matty Graham to find out how to train smarter and maximize your performance no matter who you are. Alrighty. Welcome to another episode of the Exponential Performance Podcast. I'm Matty Graham and it is so good to have you here with me. I hope you've had a good week and that your training is going well. It's getting really cold here down in Wanaka, New Zealand, and all of the work that I'm doing with our Winter Olympic program is really starting to ramp up now. We've got guys and girls in the gym training hard for the upcoming Winter Olympics that are in February next year. So everything's going well here. We just need a little bit more snow on the mountains so they can really start to get things happening up on the hill. What have you been up to this week? Comment down below in the comment section. Let me know. How is your training going? What have you been up to? First of all, today we're going to crack into lessons from life, and we're going to talk about how much racing you should be doing. Let's get into it. This week's lessons from life I wanted to tackle a question that I get a lot from athletes and one that I was recently discussing with an athlete so I thought I'd include it in this section it's about how much to race this is a really good question and to be honest there's no correct answer but what I like to do is use this bit of a template guiding principles to help tackle this question so there are lots of different races out there to decide and if you really wanted to you could probably race every single weekend of the year quite happily you know depending on what events you're targeting. But let's have a think about it. How do you decide what events to target? Firstly, you need to think about your goal. Is your goal performance? Do you want to perform well? Or are the events more bucket list type of events for you? You want to tick the event off because it's on your bucket list. It's something that you want to do. Whatever it might be, I want to focus today on performance because at the end of the day, that's what we're after. It may not be coming first as your performance goal, but improving your performance or moving up the field is still performance related so I want to talk about how you can maximize your performance through choosing how much you race so I like to use this little guiding principle for athletes that are new to the sport say in one to three years I would recommend you race a lot okay a lot and just doing as many races as you can, whether that be financially, um, you know, as you can, or just what's available with your time, but doing a lot of races. And the reason I suggest doing a lot of races in this first one to three year period of an athlete's development 
is to build experience, fitness. There's no fitness or, you know, hard training session like a race. You never push yourself as hard as you do in a race. So getting that fitness development from racing a lot, I don't think can be bet, uh, beat over that first, you know, initial period. Also, you develop those skills and the knowledge of how to race, how to push yourself hard, how to work you know, hard through transitions, how to make things smooth. All of these things require racing. And I would suggest you go out and get as much of it as you can. After this first you know, three-ish year period, I would suggest athletes decrease the amount of races that they do. This can often be hard for those athletes that are lifestylers, so to speak. They do this because they love racing. They love the social aspect. It's what they do on the weekends. They just love getting out. It's something they've always done. They need to go and tick off these races because they did it for the last five years, whatever it might be. So what I suggest is you decrease the amount of races that you do and focus on peaking and performing better at a few select races. So if you've got these key races in mind, they're the big pinnacle events, I would say focus on those and then choose a select few events that help you build and prepare yourself for these bigger races. So the idea is that you're going to perform better at your peak events rather than racing averagely across a whole bunch of different events. And the reason I suggest decreasing the amount of events that you do or the amount of races that you do is that doing a lot of races interrupts your training routine. No matter how much you want to admit it, no one really wants to go into a race tired even if it's a local local race. So there's a period of freshening up that needs to happen before a race. And depending on how long the race is, this period will vary from a week to two weeks to allow that performance on race day. And then following the race, you have a recovery period. Again, bigger races require longer recovery periods. So what this ends up doing is putting your training out each time you have these races so what i would suggest is cut down the number of races that you do so you can have a more consistent planned build-up it's all about sacrificing something some enjoyment i guess of the different races that you want to do with the long-term goal in mind and knuckling down and doing some good quality training A lot of athletes will say that they're just going to do a race as a training race or a part of a big training session. And I said, you know, that's usually fine as long as they work well and with the training program. And I think the true test of this would be, are you happy to go into the race at the end of one or two or even three load weeks really tired and have a poor performance at the race with the long-term gain of having that part of your training load. If you can honestly say you don't mind going into the race tired and not performing at 100%, then sure, go and use that race as a training race. But if you can't bear the thought 
of not performing well at a race, then I'd suggest you're too invested in it and it's going to compromise your training. So better off, leave the race out, focus on that training and get the long-term benefit from it. And again, you know, a lot of the time when you're punching out these races on a regular basis, the training that you would be doing outside of these races if you weren't doing the race is a lot different to the physiological stimulus you're getting from the race. So depending on the time or the phase of your build-up, racing can be good, but it can be quite negative as well. And that's why I recommend over that middle sort of three to six year period, um, sorry, from three to six years involved in the sport, I recommend athletes scale back the racing and really focus on good quality progressive training leading to a peak event you know multiple peak events throughout the year but just not racing lots and lots and lots so what happens after this time for athletes that have been in the game for a while let's say greater than six years what i often find and i don't know whether it's a planned thing or it just happens naturally is that they start to get back into doing lots of races. And maybe this is due to the com- the competitive schedule. Athletes need to race more. Due to the, the money requirements, a lot of the elite athletes that I work with need to race a lot to win prize money or keep sponsors happy, so they need to race a lot to, to do that, to fulfill that obligation. But by this stage, you should have a base skill fitness and ability to be able to back up lots of races in a row and you don't need the same long-term progressive build-up as you did when you were a younger athlete because you've got such a good base there all you need is a wee sharpening up period to prepare you for the demands of that specific race that you're heading to in saying that if you are an athlete that does lots of racing and you've been doing it for a long period of time, and you find yourself hitting a plateau in your performance, then I think one of the best things you can do is go back to racing less, and then having a more focused, specific build-up to those peak races. And I find if athletes actually go backwards in the amount of racing that they're doing for a period of time, they're able to have a better structured build up and perform better in those key races that they wanted to again rather than just having that mediocre performance across the board in lots of different races so i hope that helps you with your planning of your races we're about to you in that evolution of athlete experience are you in that first three years where you need to be developing that experience, that skill, that fitness by doing lots of races? Or are you at that time period where you've been at it for a while and you haven't been performing like you want to, so you need to scale back those races and focus on peaking for some key events? Or are you at the other end of the spectrum where you're racing a lot because you have to race a lot to due to that competition schedule or or to cash in those winners' checks. It'd be interesting to find out where all of our listeners are. Post a comment below whatever platform you're listening into. It would be really interesting to find out where you guys are sitting.
So there you have it. That is lessons from life this week about how much racing should you do. If you've got any follow-up questions about that, feel free to flick them through to me. Now we're going to dive into lessons from the lab and have a look at what supplements really work. Supplements. What supplements actually work? What supplements actually work? What supplements does science say actually works? What I've got in front of me here is a meta-analysis. A paper that takes into account a whole bunch of research, all of the individual studies that have been done on supplements, and goes through and actually picks out what supplements work, which ones may have some good evidence behind them, and then other ones that are lacking evidence completely, or they're banned, or there's a high risk of contamination. So what I want to do today is just go through this, and give you an insight into the supplements that science actually has proven and shown and support that they work for endurance, for strength, and for health as well. Everyone loves supplements. It seems that if you can make something that will that someone can pop in their mouth and they will improve their performance, man, it is just a cash cow. You can just be making it and people will be throwing their money at you. But a lot of supplements and a lot of the supplement industry is just marketing hype to get people to buy their stuff. But what does the science actually say? So this research meta-analysis breaks down supplements into three different categories. There's green, which is they have a strong evidence to support their performance effect. There's orange or amber. This is kind of like the red-green yellow light system. There's amber or orange, and that means the supplement is that has moderate or emerging evidence. So it's looking promising, but it's not enough to put it in the green category that it's proven. And then there is the red light supplements. These are the ones to avoid. There's a complete lack of evidence. Or they are currently on the World Anti-Doping Association banned list. Or there is a high risk of contamination in these supplements. So what I want to focus on today is really the green and the amber supplements. The red ones, yeah, they're in there, but there are no surprises that really that they're not that great. So for endurance performance, most of the, my listeners out there are endurance athletes. So what supplements should you be taking for your performance? Well, the first one is caffeine. Caffeine is one of the most proven performance enhancing supplements that you can take it helps with a whole host of things and it is highly effective it used to be on the world anti-doping association ban list and there is actually talk about putting it back on at certain cutoffs but at the moment it's it's not on there and it's highly proven and it's relatively safe or it is safe apart from some you know, side effects if you take too much of it, such as jitteriness and, uh, you know, anxiety and that sort of thing. So caffeine is green light to go. 
carbohydrate drinks and gels. A lot of people say, well, that's not supplements. That's just, you know, good practice. And it is. But carbohydrate gels and drinks are highly proven to improve endurance performance. Okay. So get stuck into them if you're an endurance athlete. Now, beetroot juice is on the list as well. Beetroot juice, green for go. It is good for performance, well proven due to the nitrate content. And I've done a couple of videos about beetroot juice, so I will post a link to those in the show notes over at Exponential Performance Coaching if you want to check them out. Also, sodium bicarbonate. And this has been found not so much long endurance performance, but more in the intermediate endurance, where an, an event is highly aerobic but highly anaerobic as well such as a 1500 meter run uh, a row a rowing race such as 2k row all of those things that are extremely aerobic but extremely anaerobic at the same time sodium bicarbonate sodium citrate are really good for helping buffer lactic acid or lactate the other thing is beta alanine again this helps control the ph in the muscle uh, and has been proven again to be effective for those short-term endurance events. So not long-term marathon-like endurance events like a lot of uh, you guys are listening compete in, but the sort of shorter, more intense endurance events. And the following and the final one in the green light is antioxidants. So these are our vitamins E, C, beta-carotene and also selenium are our antioxidants and this is all about maximizing recovery uh, and preventing too much oxidative stress within the body. While oxidative stress is an important aspect to training adaptations, it's also something that needs to be controlled and, and used to maximize recovery as well. So those are our green light supplements for endurance athletes. Caffeine, carbohydrate gels, beta alanine, beetroot juice, sodium bicarbonate, and antioxidants. How many of those are you currently using? Post a comment below. It'll be interesting to find out. Now, the ones in the orange category for endurance athletes is taurine. So taurine is, you know, it's pretty famous, I guess, for being one of the main uh, stimulants in Red Bull. So taurine, again, kind of like caffeine, a stimulant to help jack up the central nervous system to improve performance. Cherry active, okay, and this is kind of like a concentrated cherry extract, if you like. It's just really high in antioxidants, I guess, vitamin C being the key one there. And then finally, L-carnitine. And L-carnitine has some potential effect in metabolism is speeding up fat metabolism specifically so it is a supplement that has emerging evidence not strong evidence but there is some there to suggest that it may help a lot of people will use l-carnitine as a fat loss supplement but l-carnitine actually won't help you lose body fat unless you're deficient in l-carnitine supplementing with l-carnitine for endurance athletes may have some benefit at improving metabolism when you are training and racing but not actually to lose fat so to speak 
in the red area here, we have a lot of banned supplements. We've got things like adrenaline or epinephrine, as it's written here. Also, herbal supplements that don't really have any supporting research behind them. I'm not going to touch too much on the red list. I want to focus on the things that you can use. So just to recap, that orange list that have emerging evidence but not strong evidence is taurine, cherry active, and also L-carnitine. I would, wouldn't go to the bank on any of these. I would really focus on that green list. Now, what about for strength and size or muscle growth? key ones here that are in green are creatine which can help you train harder and recover faster so you can train more and also protein supplementation okay those two are well proven and they are also well researched and are safe so if you're a strength athlete or you're looking at increasing uh, your muscle mass then creatine and protein would be your first stop and your best bet. Now in the amber or the orange category here, we've got leucine and branch chain amino acids. There is some evidence around these two supplements, leucine and branch chain amino acids, but a lot of it has to do with the uncertainty about megadosine, just specific amino acids rather than just complete proteins so i would always go to the green list first make sure you're ticking those off before you even have a look at the orange list and then in the red here we've got things such as zma anything that has anabolic in front of it anything that is a testosterone booster uh, again herbal supplements and colostrum very minimal evidence about these high risk of contamination or just strictly prohibited now so we've covered endurance we've covered strength and we'll cover and now we'll cover health so what are the key supplements for health well in the green section here we've got probiotics electrolytes and vitamin d these here have got a lot of research around them a lot of good supporting evidence so if you're interested in health really focus on those top three first What's in the orange category? Well, a whole bunch of supplements that you'll see on your health food stand. And these are vitamin C, a multivitamin, glucosamine, glutamine, fish oil, and collagen. So there is emerging or some evidence to support these, but just not enough to give a really good, solid, conclusive result as with those green supplements. So... Just be mindful of that. Finally, in the red section for health, we've got magnesium and herbal supplements again. Herbal supplements, I don't really like how they've used it here. It's such a big, vague term that covers so many things. So just be cautious with that. It's almost like they've written off all herbal supplements, but it's potentially because of the lack of control around them the high risk of contamination, they may be uh, produced in an, in an area that is potentially producing other illegal stuff, so you get that cross-contamination, or there's just no evidence to support them, no scientific evidence for that matter. So let's just recap for endurance athletes because that's what I really want to target in here. If you're an endurance athlete and you want to be 
supplementing to improve your performance. The key things you need to be taking are caffeine, carbohydrate gels and drinks, beta alanine, potentially if you're doing more short-term endurance events, beetroot juice, sodium bicarbonate, again for those short-term endurance events, and antioxidants. Those would be the ones that you can go to the bank. These are going to improve your performance as long as you've got a good underlying diet to start with. That's number one. You've got good training and good recovery. Once you've nailed those basics, you can move up. I think the real power of this list or this table that I've given you today is that it gives you something that you can make help make informed decisions around. A lot of the time, people will jump straight onto a new supplement or straight onto the latest thing thinking it's going to be a silver bullet when there are, in fact, no silver bullets. All of these little things add up to make little incremental gains. What I would suggest is start with the basics, training, nutrition, recovery. Once you've got those down and you're looking to improve your performance a little bit better, start off with that green list. Take a couple of the key things out of those green lists and focus on those first. Don't try anything in the red. Okay, I'd just say avoid the red. And if you are going to try anything in the orange or amber category, make sure you've ticked all the green boxes first. So that's a little bit about supplements. I can already predict the questions that I'm going to get from this, and it's about the how, what, and why you should use all of these different supplements at different times. So if you've got questions about the how, what, why of specific supplements that I've talked about today, send me through a voice message over at the Exponential Performance Coaching website. Send me through a voice message and I will dig deeper into each of these supplements and how you can use them specifically to improve your performance. Today, I just wanted to give you that overview first before we start scratching the surface and going a bit deeper. So that's lessons from the lab today. I hope you found it useful. Let me know what are these supplements What are the supplements that you're using? Are they on this green list, red list, or are they in the middle in that orange list? And if you've got any questions, fire them through. Thanks for joining me here this week, mate. I will talk to you next week. But until then, get out there, train hard, but most importantly, train smart. Have a plan, keep making those gains, and work systematically towards your goal. Done.